Welcome to Is This Working? A podcast hosted by two best friends who question everything we have ever been taught about work, life and happiness. I'm Anna Codrerado. And I'm Tiffany Philippou. If you're a regular listener, you might be wondering where we've been. Well, we've been busy behind the scenes creating a brand new podcast, which is called Totally Fine with Tiffany Philippou. And it's about those life-changing moments when we pretended to be okay, but really we weren't. And the first few episodes are already out, so go and listen to them. And the first episode is super special as it is me interviewing Anna about a time that she pretended to be totally fine. And today's episode of this show, Is This Working?, just so that we're keeping track of where we are in the podcasting world, is also a really special one and very much a crossover with the new podcast because today I'm interviewing Tiffany. Um, So she interviewed me, now I interview her, it's kind of ping pong, but no, anyway. Um, So yes, today I'm interviewing Tiffany about her brand new book, which um, just came out as we are recording this. Um, The book is a memoir, it's her memoir, and it's called Totally Fine and Other Lies I've Told Myself. And yes, that is the same title as the new podcast, all of this will become a lot clearer as we dive into the interview. Um, but I'm just so excited for us to be having this conversation because um, for people who are longtime listeners of this show, they may you may remember that on the very first episode of this podcast, which was recorded in July 2019, we talked about Tiffany writing a book. And I remember it vividly. It was hot. We were sitting in my old flat because we used to record this podcast in person. Um, This was all before the pandemic. And we talked about the, the book that is now a physical thing that I'm actually looking at and it's in front of me on my desk. Um, And here we are now, Tiffany, how does it feel to be sat here on our show talking about the memoir that you have now published? It's wild. I mean, there was, we we opened the show by talking about it and now it's here and now it exists and we're still doing this and the show and the book exists and is out in the world. And I never forget when I was living in my flat in Chalk Farm and we were talking about the book and I started writing some chapters because I'd been to that memoir class in March, 2019, which is exactly three years ago, how different everything seemed back then. But I remember you saying, I cannot wait to have an edition of your book in my hand. And there was just something about that self-belief, or no, not self-belief, because it was belief to me, to whatever that other that is called, the belief you had in me that was so strong that really kept me going and made made it happen. So thank you to you for that. And also thank you to the show, because actually a lot of opportunities came from me openly talking about the, that, the fact I was working on it as well, because so often you're kind of encouraged to not tell everyone what you're doing just in case it doesn't work out. But actually, if you're open about what you're attempting to do, then opportunities can come your way from it. So I'm really glad that I was always so open about writing the book, wanting to get it published. uh, And now here we are. So it's amazing. It's really exciting. I'm really, really happy about it. There is just something so special, I think, about getting to talk about this 
momentous career milestone and personal achievement and success on our own platform, one that we have kind of almost, I guess, built in parallel to the book, really, when you think about it. Um, so that's just really, really special. Um, one thing I think that um, we should do is I would just love to hear from you in your own words um, what the book is about. So obviously we know it's a memoir, but I think for anyone who hasn't been following this journey up until this point, um, I want to hear from you in your own words what the book is about. So what happens and what it's about is a slight nuance there for sure. But the story begins with I'm 20 years old. I'm a university student at Bristol. I'm friends with you. Um, And I'm visiting you in Durham. And I get a call when I'm on the train back from that weekend that we spent together. It was summer, end of second year, telling me that my boyfriend Richard was in hospital. And it turned out that he had tried to take his own life and he did die in hospital seven days later. And the book is about, it tells a story of what happened. So we go, we go back to first year where we met Freshers Week, what it was like to be a student back then. And the book then tracks my grief for a decade. So it starts when I'm just shortly after my 20th birthday, which is when he died and ends at my 30th birthday party. And it was very important to me for it to track grief for such a long time because I personally haven't come across many stories that last that length of time with regards to grief. And I think one of the many things and complications one feels around grief is feeling it so strongly after a lot of time has passed. So that was important to me. But there was also some wider questions or wider themes that I wanted to talk about and using the lens of this experience of suicide grief, which was shrouded with shame and huge amount of stigma. And there still is, we're we're 13 years later, the stigma still exists. People still don't talk about suicide that much. The statistics are screaming at us. It's the number one killer of men under 45. Um, We still don't talk about it. There's still so much shame and we still we rarely hear stories of people bereaved by suicide. And that is partly because of how much we blame ourselves for what's happened. And so it's a very complicated experience, but this book isn't just about me and suicide. It's about shame as a whole. And I really did write this book for anyone carrying shame about all sorts of different potential issues and to really explore and ask some questions around what can this tell us about the world we live in? What is the culture that we exist in? What are the societal expectations on young people? Not only why is this happening, but how did we get here? And what about my experience and my response to the experience? What does that tell us about about shame and stigma and just all the messages we get about what's important in life? And I really see it as narrative self-help and I'm not going to shy away from that, but I use the book myself as a framework for realigning and reminding myself the simple but forgettable question about what's important in life. And I constantly refer back to it. So that's what the book is about. (laughs) 
We are um, definitely going to dive into, as you said, the difference about difference between what the book, you know, the story of the book and what it's about and those differences and that nuance. Uh, that's something that's really important for me that we get to unpack more. But um, something I just want to go back to first is the actual process of writing the book. So as we've kind of obviously mentioned, you were talking about writing the book when we start, started this podcast three years ago, you actually were new to writing. Um, this was almost a, we can call it a career change if you want, I suppose. Um, but writing was not, was, was writing, where, where did the, where this did is a really important part of my the story need to write the book and come from? how I look back and see this coming about because I never wanted to be a writer, never kept diaries, never kept journals. Um, I didn't even read that much back in the day. Uh, probably I did as a kid, but not in my twenties. And I actually, I do feel a bit in, imposter syndrome and so, so many writers, like I've always wanted to be a writer. So I, I try and be honest about that because as I've learned through this and I'm sure we'll come onto it, just if you say something out loud, it takes away its power. So I'm open about the fact that, that, that this writing was never on the cards. However, I think there's something interesting in that because what happened was, is on a whim, someone, so a, a friend of mine, a mentor as well, who is a poet himself, mentioned this memoir writing course. And I didn't question it. I didn't say, why would I do that? I just signed up. And I do feel very um, spiritual, woo-woo, divine, whatever words you want to use, even though I'm actually not, I always say not fully spiritual as a person, but we won't go into the depths of my like my beliefs around these things. But when it comes to this getting from there to here, it's impossible not to see it in this way because it was so instinct driven. And so without much thought, went to this memoir class. Then what came out of the class was the first chapter of this book. And when I came, when I first went to that class, I presumed I'd write a sort of startup memoir or a business book or something along those kind of lines. And I was surprised by what came out of me that day when I read that chapter back to the class. But something happened where it just unlocked something for me. The first chapter begins with when I got that call on that train, Richard dying. And something very visceral, very strong feeling from within me was like, I need to keep going with this. And suddenly I had a complete vision for which scenes were going to be in the book, which um, anecdotes, which things people have said to me. It was all really clear. And I had a very strong vision of what the book was going to look like. I didn't necessarily know how all the narrative points linked. Like, I didn't know why, like it, that was a bit of a process that happened through writing. It kind of all made sense, but it was very strong to me what would be in it what anecdotes, what stories, and how long it would last. And I knew that it would end when it ended. And perhaps I didn't yet know why. But there, so it was a really strong internal desire and it was just unquestioning. And that's why I talked about it on our first episode of the show. It became this thing that I just like had to do. And I was obsessive about it, as you know, as my friend. I completely changed. Yeah. It's... It's so interesting and it was really fascinating to watch this process because, and I think something that kind of, you know, we're, we're now in this kind of media sort of publishing world and um, it's very, been very interesting for me to watch this 
book be be reviewed and be talked about as a thing that is out there in the world, having seen or observed your process. And this kind of, um, I guess this really gets at the heart of something that I've only really realized myself recently, which is that there is a difference between writing and publishing, which is maybe something that we can, we can discuss. Um, but this isn't so much, and I think it's so interesting how you talk about the fact that it's not that you wanted necessarily to be a writer. It's that this thing just had to come out of you. And it just so happens essentially that it came in the form of the written word of something that was written rather than, oh, you dreamt about being a writer and you, and you know, this was, this is, this is the, this is your memoir. Um, I just think that's so interesting and really, really powerful. And I think also quite inspiring for people who everyone, everyone has a story and everyone kind of, um, has something that they need to tell. Um, but one thing I just really want to know is especially because of the nature of, of what you write about, obviously we, the people around you kind of knew that this had happened, but to a large extent, you kind you sort of went almost from this being a very, very private thing that not that many people knew about to now it's out, it's very public and it's out there. How, how is that kind of, what has that been like? Um, and I, and I know it's something that, um, is uh, I've since kind of learned of many other sort of artists and creators doing something similar where it kind of goes from no very one knows freeing. to the whole world knows. So like, I was so trapped like? in my silence because of shame and because I blamed myself for what happened. And so to go from, Literally, I would tell anecdotes and edit him out or I wouldn't tell an anecdote because he was there. So it's like I deleted him from my stories and past. And so to go from that and that silence to broadcasting it is extremely freeing and it feels really good. And I didn't really, I didn't say his name. Now I'm saying it, gosh, who knows how many times a day, but it's really freeing and it feels good. And the more I talk about this, the longer I spend doing this sort of work, it's so obvious to me that speaking to these things can be extremely healing. And it's also very enjoyable. Is enjoyable the wrong word? Um, It's very, um, it's just great to hear from people who have gone through something similar, who feel less alone, feel like, you know, less shame themselves because for me telling my story. So it really, really helps to hear from people as well who were in the position I was in. And so that also makes it really a really great thing to do. So yeah, it's freeing and it's kind of, it's almost like an awakening. Like I feel like I'm living my life as I should be now. Whereas before it was just like small and dark and kind of depressing. So yeah, I'm really, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy about it. And uh, it's obviously exposing at the same time. I I think I'm yet to sort of be in the depths of that mm. though because it's still such early days of the book mm. coming out. Do you what I kind of mentioned earlier about this difference between writing and publishing? Um, because there is a long gap. You know, there is the act of writing is to a large extent um, quite private. That's something that you are doing pretty much alone, and you know, find your editor and maybe. a couple of other people are reading it as you go but it's very private and then there is a long gap whilst the actual 
book is made um and then it comes out into the world so um when did you when did you yes and, and stop, also there's that awful finish? process of when was the manuscript to tell everyone finished? who's in the memoir that they're in it which we can <laughs> um but yeah i i finished the first draft february last year and i love i love the experience of writing um ideal ideal world would just have to write and then just have to um do other creative projects like talk about the work like that's my ideal situation um so i loved i lo- i do love the 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 peace and calm of of writing and 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 working in that solitary way um but yeah there's a whole massive process that comes next there's edits and edits when it's about your own life edits are always a bit like tricky but when it's about your own life it's particularly it runs the risk of being particularly emotional um and yeah there's just so many steps and moments and versions and so many things that happen before it gets like published and it's out there and it it requires so much patience and it's kind of weird though because the build up's been so long so yeah it's been over a year since i finished the first draft and then now it's just here <laughs> it's weird <laughs> Yeah, it's and pub- publication day is always a really funny one because um, it's not like a TV show which you can read, uh, you can watch instantly. Um, it, you know, it you have to wait for people to actually read the book, um, and there is that gap between uh, having actually finished writing it and then putting it out in the world. So publication day can kind of be, um, it feels like it feels like a sort of birthday almost, but also it's a it's i don't i don't have a better word for it than weird i don't know what i felt what less was, weird than i thought i would you because i was told day? it would be weird but also i was already beginning to get like drip feed of, of feedback and so um a few days later didn't actually feel that different from the day if that makes sense um but it did feel like a birthday because i was getting messages and people were getting in touch and i was going to bookshops to see it there um but I felt weirdly calm. I was actually really surprised um, because there have been times, um, if I'm being completely honest, uh, I don't think I've talked about this publicly before, but when they announced the book deal, when they announced the cover, like I'd actually feel very um, conflicted about celebrating because it, it felt like the Instagram world or that kind of one connection removed or those people I hadn't talked to for years but used to work with were really excited for me but I still felt like this is a really shit thing that happened and I wish it hadn't happened um but I seem to have gotten over that by publication day and I seem to be able to relax into it a bit more and appreciate people being supportive appreciate people celebrating me um I'm not sure how I got there, but it it was really nice to be able to acknowledge that, yes, this was a sad thing that happened, but it's okay to celebrate the book and to celebrate uh, it being out in the world and to, and to see the positive in being able to communicate about it and share it with the world. Um, I, I wonder whether it's because people before that were sort of celebrating the prestige of having a book out, so to speak, whereas once the actual thing was out, it was like actually fulfilling its purpose. So I wonder whether that was it, but I, I felt very calm. And I still do feel surprisingly calm. I really, I really thought I'd go uh, completely nuts and I'm all right. It's so interesting that, and I'm really glad you kind of brought this up because it is, 
inherent to a book like this is always going to be this very difficult and painful exercise of holding two um, very, not opposite, but two very heavy emotions that sit at the opposite ends of the feelings wheel, shall we say, um, of happiness and pride about the achievement of the book, but then also deep sadness and grief about the reason it has come to be. And something that I'm thinking of today, because um, we actually recorded one of the um, other, one of the new podcast episodes, Totally Fine with Tiffany Philippou. If you haven't already, go and have a listen. Um, And it was a really fascinating and brilliant conversation with Nathaniel J. Hall, um, who is an actor and theatre maker and HIV activist. And he was sharing his story about um, his diagnosis of um, HIV and how he had kind of um, kept that quiet for a very long time. And then also in a similar way to how has how he how you have used this experience and turned it into part of your work he has used that and turned it into part of his work because he does um he's made a show about his experience and um um uh and 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 everything that kind of followed afterwards um and something he said in the podcast he talked about how sometimes things we can't we don't even know when we get triggered essentially and that something can happen something might be said or something um there might be some something that sparks a memory that takes us right back to that place um where the original kind of event or um call it trauma um whatever words you kind of want to use happened um and it was just really interesting to hear you kind of say because I'd never heard you say that that you um you had those sort of mixed emotions on those on those big days when the cover was announced and the book deal was announced um because it, it almost you know having read the book and obviously knowing you um such a big theme is shame and that kind of like the sort of the fla- how it like flashes up and says and just kind of like sh- shouts at you and it kind of sounds like that's what was happening on those moments and it just um this is a really inelegant way of me saying that how important it is just to give voice to these things because hearing Nathaniel talk about how there will always be points where something will just flash up and it takes you right back there because that's just, it's, it's how our kind of brains are wired. Um, and the more we can just talk and, and give voice to these things, um, it just helps. And it so clearly works because, look where you are now to be able to say that you had such a positive experience on publication day, I think is monumental. Definitely. And it's admitting to myself as well as to others that I did have this conflict because before I felt guilt or shame about the conflict, because especially I just felt it was a bit isolating. Again, it was kind of like a mirror of what actually happened when Richard died as well, because I was feeling and thinking one thing and everyone else another thing, and it felt quite isolating. But once I allowed myself to admit that that's how I felt about it, then I was, yeah, I didn't feel that way this time around. So it's so powerful to talk about this stuff and be honest about conflicting and difficult emotions, particularly at times. And obviously you write about this with your productivity dysmorphia, particularly at times when people are celebrating your success for you. And that can be very lonely if you're not matching that. So that was definitely something I experienced. Yeah, it's that layering of 
you already feel bad enough and then you feel bad on top of it for not feeling the quote unquote right way or how you should or you're not matching up to what the person in front of you is kind of projecting that they think you should be feeling or even how they're feeling about it and they're just kind of layers on and um and this is particularly around yeah like around achievements because it like i you know i've talked about on this podcast about the productivity dysmorphia um which is this phrase i've coined to sort of try to explain when you the different the gap between feeling successful between being successful and feeling successful and how sometimes you can't see your own achievement and for me that very much happened around when I published my book and you just feel real guilt because you feel I, I even get uncomfortable talking about it now because it just sounds like I'm just you know cry me into my tiny little violin that oh I'm I published a book and that still wasn't good enough for me, but yet that's where the, that is where the shame builds and it can be from any, you know, this can happen for so many different reasons. Um, I think this is kind of a really good point for us to dive a bit deeper into what this book is really about. Um, because of course at the core of it is what started this, the whole book, what's what actually quite literally starts the story at the beginning of the book is death by suicide and then of course it is a, it is about bereavement of suicide which is a it is a particular form of of grief it is kind of has its own um on top of the grief there is the stigma there's the shame um there are the kinds of questions that only come about because of the nature of the death. Um, and it's so important to talk about these things because they really aren't talked about. And there's just so much stigma still continues to be around suicide. Just even today, I saw on Instagram this post that came up. Um, and I think it is kind of worth flagging also just to be really clear. And, you know, if, if anyone does go and listen to um, the new podcast, you might kind of, you won't hear us say committed suicide because, um, it's just not really the right language to use or it's, or, or sorry, the language has evolved to kind of understand that it's even, even in the way we talk about how someone dies by how, how, if someone dies by suicide, it's saying they committed suicide kind of harks back to when it was a criminal act. Um, and this, uh, Instagram post was basically talking about how we need to stop using that, stop using that terminology. Um, but anyway, I've gone on a bit of a tangent. Um, so, what I was really struck by though in the book is not is is also all of the other moments where you, all of the moments that you describe the the impact and for me this is such this is this is a book about the long tail of grief and how I think it's I think it's so powerful that it does chart those ten years because um which to be clear only ended three years ago. So it's it's not like this is a thing that happened in the past. It's this is a thing that did happen in the past and had a long arc that is still continuing. Let's kind of put it um, frankly. Um, and it's all of those moments where you talk about the socially acceptable ways in which we numb and those kind of gray areas. There are all of these scenes um, where you're at parties and there's kind of... Um, a bit too much to drink and there are issues around there are um, issues around body image and all of these things all of these kind of semi-socially acceptable ways in which we we numb like what what to what extent 
is that are those parts of the book important to you? I mean, obviously, of course, they're important to you, but can we can we talk a bit about those parts of the book which aren't so much about the actual kind of moment directly after Richard died, but all of these little ways in which the grief kind of popped up, almost hidden in plain sight? It's a really important part of the book because that's the part of the book that is relatable because I still do it now. I did it in the pandemic. I um, probably did it yesterday. So when we're sitting in uncomfortable and difficult emotions, how we respond tells us a lot about the culture we exist in and the society we exist in. And what I always thought was there was no full-on crash rock bottom. And you always hear such extreme stories of people numbing essentially, um, whether that's drug addiction, uh, money, whatever it might be, like just completely destroying one's life, which happens to people. But what happened to me is something that I think is very common, which is the socially acceptable ways of numbing, which are well hidden in a society that quite frankly is really fucked up. And it sort of perpetuates and we're all feeding into this and it feeds back at us. So I could run through the list. Like one is overworking. It's considered virtuous to work hard. It's where our obsession with productivity comes from. It's we, celeb- we celebrate success. We get our self-worth from our work achievements, which we touched on just before when we were talking about, talking, talking about that. And that in itself is dangerous as it is, but it's also dangerous if you're using that to numb or run away from something or hide from something. And one of the themes in the book is talking about how I used work to escape the numb, escape the pain of my grief, because it was very easy to blame, oh, my boss is working me too hard. My job is too hard rather than like really face up to the shame of myself. And who hasn't, who hasn't done that? Um, And another really big one was around body image. And again, this isn't extreme, eating disorder in, you know, full on terms, but most people, and it's not just women, it's men as well. And, you know, people are affected by this, this desire to look as perfect as possible by societal standards, because if I look good on the outside, maybe that'll cure my inside and becoming very obsessive about, um, exercise and food and that sort of stuff. But, but again, it's hidden because it was, the era, and I write about this in the book, it was the era of fit, not thin. So the 90s thin was out of fashion, but getting fit and toned was in fashion. But that's like keto dieting, whatever it is. It's like using your brain in a way that's distracting you from the realities of life, whether that's counting your sweet potatoes on your plate or whatever that looks like, or obsessively spending loads of money on exercise classes, which at the time I couldn't really afford. And don't get me wrong, I still go to stuff like that and I love it. But this again is something that's virtuous to the outside world, but it's numbing. So again, it's like all these things where it's not rock bottom. You're kind of all right. And actually you're probably flourishing. Like arguably, yeah, you do look good in society and yeah, you are earning enough money or you are success, but actually what's happening on the inside is actually really, really what matters. And there's, there's some other themes around these things of a similar ilk as well. But what I want people to do is to read the example of me because there's binge watching TV in it. Um, I think I watched, I talk about watching 24 because it's the era of 24, uh, a DVD, put it into your laptop, 
watching 24 in 24 hours in my dark uni room by myself. Uh, there's drinking, but again, I don't end up in AA, but I'm drinking too much, but actually everyone's drinking too much because it's we're in our twenties. And, and actually, even to this day, I look around me and I see how drinking is so normalized in our culture and society or drinking in a, it's not necessarily how much you drink. It's the way you drink. It's that like reliance on it. It's that stress if it's going to run out. And this is happening around us all the time. And I think it really comes from a misalignment around messaging from what we've told, we're told from when we're small about what matters in life. And I really think it is that simple. And I think it's really upsetting that a lot of us are numbing and hiding and scared of, you know, the reality of our feelings or existence, but then our culture really fuels that. And I just wanted to increase an awareness around that just so people can maybe maybe just be a little bit more aware of how we do these things because I still do them. I, I still do these things, by the way. Um, I think we had a, you know, we had an episode on this podcast where I admitted that once pandemic anxiety, I'd kind of overworked as a way to distract myself. We, we still do them. However, it's just having a little bit more awareness around them is really valuable into living a better life. I found part two of the book probably the hardest one to read and I think also the most powerful because to me there was such a clear parallel with what you were doing in that time and how you were dealing with it because you felt so isolated in your grief and all of these ways that it was bubbling up there was such a kind of parallel with what Richard must have been feeling like before he died and to be clear, this we don't know and we will never know why Richard did what he did. But what we do know is that he was having struggles at university with his studies and there was a failing of an of an exam. And so and that there was and that he lived in the same culture we did, which is that you had to you fail failure at school was not an option and not doing well at university was not an option and that everything is geared towards get good grades go to a good university get a job um so that that to me was actually some some of the that were to me was the hardest part of the book and it was just there was it was such a parallel and as you say that's that's why this the the point of the book is that you know you have a part three which is love living and every and things kind of you you have that you've you've made it your work now to challenge these things i mean also to be to 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 like really put this to make the point very much on the nose here that you know we started a podcast which was questioning everything we've talked about learn about work like i think it's become very clear from this conversation where your interest in that comes from and why you feel so passionately about that um but yeah that was just something that i um i found that i found that section very hard in it makes me really happy to hear you say that because that is in line with my experience of reading the audiobook so a lot of people might presume that part one, which is when he died, going over that funeral. But actually when I'm rereading part two, I feel so sad for that person. And I find that really, really sad to read that bit, far more so actually 
than part one. I feel more sorry for that person. Um, and I, I, and this is why we write is like to communicate and, you know, to share our experiences and to feel heard and heard and understood. And so it means a lot to me that you get that and you read that. And that's, that was your experience as well, because it's such an important part of the, the book and my work is, is, is the fact the true sadness doesn't necessarily lie in the thing that happened. The sadness is pretending to be fine and burying it and existing under that societal expectations and societal structures that make that kind of on the surface level. Okay. I think that's really sad and very isolating and yeah, I think that's what it's about. I mean, it's, yeah, because by that point in the book, I mean, you know, the compassionate leave has ended. (laughs) Um, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, both, you know, literally and kind of like metaphorically, um, because by that point in the book, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a good kind of like five to eight years after the fact. Um, it's not something that is kind of, and again, it's kind of, I keep going back to this thing because probably we've, we were talking about it earlier today, but these things are not linear. It's not, it's not, oh, I've, I, someone screwed up my coffee order and I've completely gone bananas about it and oh that's by the way that's because my boyfriend died by suicide seven years ago it's it does not it's not like that it's it's so much more nuanced and it's so much kind of more um it's such an indirect line and and more often than not sometimes we'll get triggered by something or something will happen we will let's use the word act out because i can't think of a better way to describe it um you know, we'll, we'll react in some way and we won't even really realize or understand why we are doing it until, um, and you know, with, until we have some hindsight on it. And I think the goal is so, is just to narrow that gap, kind of bring that awareness closer and closer so that eventually it's not that we aren't reacting because we're always going to live with these things, whether it's grief, whether it's whatever the, we're all carrying something, um, and it affects us and it shapes us going forward. Um, and it's not about trying to pretend it didn't happen or try to get rid of it, um, or kind of mark the end of that. Um, it's more about just being able to bring awareness to it and understand like, Oh, okay. Um, I'm finding this hard because it's reminding me of that thing. Well, that's what was really important to me about part three is not to do the grief version of the Disney movie of find the prince, get married, the end. And and for me, that version could be like checked into therapy, the end. And it was really important to me to go to therapy, but there's more, the story continues and there's more hardship and it doesn't just like, that's it, end of story. And that was really important to me as well, because that reflects the reality of life. And actually I faced more difficulties in many ways um, from, well, but at least I was living and that's the po- the point of the book, you know, life is hard. And, uh, uh, but, but it was really important to me f- for that, for, for the final part to reflect that, that kind of ongoing journey, the way the grief never leaves you, the way you will never be fine, but actually acknowledging that and facing up to it certainly feels a lot better. And, and I felt like I was alive again, even though I was coming across, you know, I'll let you read the book, but all sorts of <laughs> big things happen and cringe things happen in part three, but at least I was alive. Whereas part two, it's like I was dead. I think that's kind of, like I said, that's why it was so, 
that's why it's a very difficult um, section of section of the book to read, but nonetheless really important, especially as a friend. So I would love to know what it was like actually well reading the book as someone who is literally there throughout this time and throughout all those 10 years like what was that like for you to read it um hard hard I mean it well very I think also uh, such mixed emotions because on the one hand there was such a deep pride that I had that you've done this because it's such a brilliant book and also I think this is a testament to how good the book is I know I I know the story like I know what happens and I was like turning the pages um and it was just it's such um it's 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 hard to kind of you know I don't want to say <laughs> it's a great read I mean it is it's a hard read but it's a good it's a really it's a good read in the kind of with like a capital G and like what writing is supposed to do it's supposed to move you and it really does and it moves you through a range of emotions um and I say that as someone who um, fundamentally knows the story and um, was there throughout it. Um, and it's also it's a really special it's a really special book to me for me as well because um, I was there as your friend, quite in the actual moment. Like the, the it's you know you were you were with me when this happened, um, and so there's something there for me in that as well. Um, I think that I'm trying to think if there was anything in the book that I don't think there was anything in the book that I didn't necessarily know at the time, whether we had actually spoken about it directly or I could just see it. Um, so I don't think there were any kind of like surprises for me, if that makes sense. Um, but it was also kind of, I don't know, maybe it was also a quite a cathartic, experience for me to actually read it as a narrative because it's one thing when you're living something and it's another thing when then you kind of reflect on it um and I would say uh it's definitely a very kind of um it, it just really encapsulates it just really I think it just really encapsulates how the reality of what things were like at those points and I can even I could obviously say that and I say that as someone who was like observing um because of course like those emotions weren't happening to me but I could see them happening in you um and also just like very nostalgia filled for me as well because it took me back to some of those places and like you know parallel to the grief there's also some really happy points as well and so it was actually really again like that's why I'm saying it's like a real mixed bag for me because for every moment where there's like a sadness whether it's about kind of um because you do talk about your time with Richard um, leading like before he died. Um, and there are points for me, I, there are small points in which I was in that s story in the, as an, in the real story. And so I have really happy memories of those times too. Similarly, you know, these last, those, these 10 years that it covers, lots of really good things happened in those times as well, of which, I have really positive memories of. So it was also that kind of like good nostalgia. Um, I always, maybe it's nostalgia always positive. Oh yeah, no, nostalgia is always positive. So um, so yeah, nostalgic in those ways as well. Um, it really captured that sense of what it was like in our early twenties, particularly. Um, so yeah, I'd say a real, a real mixed bag, but that is, that's what, um, that is good writing. So 
There you go. My review. Well, the book is so... <laughs> well, the book is so much about friendship. And, and that's the thing. It's, it wasn't all bad. Like I was surrounded by incredible people. And also it's only now that I'm beginning to almost reflect on it more and more and more and revisiting the book and, and writing the characters of my friends. That it's occurring to me that I was actually surrounded by all these people who were also 20, including you, obviously, who were also going through this as well. Like you've never I, you know, hadn't experienced anything like it. And at the same time, yes, maybe we didn't explicitly talk about stuff. Yes, we love to party, but I, I have no regrets about that. Um, but we, I felt like I, I felt so well supported on the friendship front. And I really hope that comes through on the book. And it really was a long thank you letter to people like you, because at the time I didn't really know what was going on half the time. So I didn't really, wasn't really able to reflect or be aware of that and so that was a really important message of the book as well because I won't ruin it for you but I try not to ruin it for you but the book is around like what matters in life what's well, the people that matter in our life and and what was consistently there throughout all this kind of um background noise of societal crap was my friends and my friends being there and that is a wonderful thing about being in your 20s so even though we were young there was some there was a beautiful simplicity to it um but what, what did you, what's it like reading about yourself in that sort of way though? Because I wrote the book a bit like, uh, I kind of wanted it to read a bit like a, well, I wanted it to read like a story. So it's almost like reading yourself in a certain narrative form. Like, what was that like? Oh, I absolutely loved it. It was such a thrill. Um, I have been blessed with, so the, let's call her the character, Annecy. Um, she is great. She's so great. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I don't care if I sound like a dickhead saying this, but uh, Annecy, the character in the memoir, is a great character. And I just feel so blessed that, to, I don't know, it was a thrill, it was such a thrill to read it. I don't know, I was thinking about, so when we, it was your book um, party the other day and we were, there was a group of us talking about this and and I was saying how, um, my mind went to this kind of place and I was talking about this of how, you know, um, this book will be in the British Library and I am written into it. And it's, I've been, I feel like I've been immortalized in history in this way. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I, I loved it. absolutely loved it. Um, I, yeah, I found it. I was just also, um, not only did I just, um, like the character or how you wrote about me, but also just felt so privileged to, get to be in the story um and kind of be in this work um to kind of like be a bit more serious about this um but yeah I was just I was thrilled I mean you know there are there are there are other there are other people in the book who may be uh you know ex-lovers um who <laughs> who maybe aren't so thrilled um who uh who or sorry who for who maybe is not quite the thrill to read about themselves in the way that um I do but um yeah no I loved it also it's it's really interesting because also you know it does make me to, to get all literary about this it does make me think about writing and memoir and memory because there's your memory of what happened there's my memory of what happened and like the truth is somewhere in between and I hold what I hold my memory 
and I just for for better or worse your your version I I really enjoyed it I really liked what I really liked reading that and I just and I that was a really nice experience for me um but then again like I said it's different it's not like it's not like I'm the kind of I'm not an ex so well, the, but the enjoyment's important for me, right? Like I really enjoyed writing the book. Like I really enjoyed creating the scenes and I enjoyed doing the dialogue and I enjoyed going back there. And there's a lot of romance in the book, whether it's like with friendship or with lovers, like there's, there's, there's a tone that I find, I found very enjoyable to conjure up. And I remember seeing on Twitter once someone saying, if you don't enjoy what you're writing, people aren't going to enjoy reading it. And so even though it's a really tricky subject, my vision, my vision was always, I want people to enjoy reading this. And I kind of want people to be like, okay, it's about this, but it's actually a very enjoyable read. And that was really important to me because again, it's about having a message. How do you get the message across? You make it a pleasurable experience. And I found it pleasurable. Um, even the hard stuff, I found it a really enjoyable thing to create and conjure up. So I'm glad that came through when you were reading it as well. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think there's also something, again, there's also something about, um, you know, of course, like because it is a story and it, or, or it has been narrativized. I really liked what you said, by the way, about kind of like narrative self-help. Um, it's good. It's a, it was a good, I think, and um, healthy, although it sounds like it, I mean, I'm sounding like this has massively inflated my ego, but I think it was like a good reminder to me to be able to see myself through your eyes and see kind of like, because, you know, if we talk about the particularly maybe around the, the actual, like in the, in the right in the aftermath of Richard's death and kind of like those points, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, like I didn't know how to help my friend. Um, and so it's kind of like, I think it's good for me to kind of see that like I was trying my best and that like, that like the, what you've put through in the book reminds me of like oh no there are some things that like I wasn't all definitely wasn't getting it right all the time but like it it like I was doing something right if that makes sense absolutely and almost I'm just thinking about when I shared with you the passage about the what ifs that I lived with around um what if I'd let him come up to Durham uh with me to come visit you because he had wanted to do that because you two were friends as well and I remember sending that to you and, and I remember you saying oh, I should have made you bring him or that was my what if. And I was like, mate, if I don't want to bring my boyfriend somewhere, <laughs> you know, and I, and, and I, you know, but, but the point I'm making is through me going through that process and forgiving myself adjacently, um, you were also able to do that as well because you of course shared questions like that. And you of course perhaps felt, um, weird about what happened and how you respond and blah, blah, blah. Cause what even is the right response anyway? So I definitely think part of it was, well, I hope so anyway, was an experience for you was to kind of go through what I went through in a, in a similar way and sort of forgive or set yourself free slightly from complicated feelings. That I'm sure the experience stirred up for you. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, um, yeah. So because, and I don't, this isn't, this is not really giving anything away. Um, but Richard, you were with me when Richard tried to kill himself, or kind of the initial act, the the act happened. Um, and f I I don't remember the exact details, 
whether I had explicitly invited him or whether I had assumed he was coming. There was, I know that my memory is at some point there had been a conversation about whether or not he was coming to Durham because you were with, you were in Durham. Um, you were, yeah, you were in Durham. And for so long after that, I did carry this. My what if was, what if I, what if I would, what if I had pushed her to get him, to bring him? Um, because my, my memory is that it was a very quick conversation where I'd said, is he coming? And you said no. And it had been left at that. So the, my what if was, was kind of carrying that. And so it was very healing, I think is the word, to, um, to read those parts. And then the other part, the other thing, and I don't know if this is in the book, but it, it was only when I heard you say it, I think either you gave another interview or something or we were speaking, I can't remember where I heard this, but you made a comment to me very recently in the kind of like last month or so about a particular shame you carried around the fact that you'd only known him for a year and a half. And, you know, this is now what, like, this is 10 plus years later. It has never crossed my mind. Like I had never thought about your relationship in terms of a length of time. Um, and for me, the parallel was the, 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 um, the fact that I really, I really grieved Richard's death, but I didn't feel I was entitled to grief because it felt so many degrees removed from me. He was my best friend's boyfriend who, yeah, we were friends, but through you. And so I didn't, in my 20 year old self, did not feel entitled to that, to my, to my grief and didn't kind of even, again, even, you know, from the fact that, and it was, of course it was a really big thing because I do think that, the fact we were together is a really big part for me, for my version of this story is a really, really big part of it. Um, and, and I, and that was my kind of, that was my shame, I suppose, or my kind of like the, the, the voice in my head. And so to have read and then subsequently not, isn't also, cause that's the other thing is that there's the stuff I read in the book and then there are the conversations that we've had um, either privately or kind of like through you giving interviews or through the new podcast that we're doing. Uh, it's been a very healing journey to kind of uh, be able to say those things. And I was actually reflecting on this recently about kind of at what point did I let go of the, like my what ifs, like I don't know when that happened, but I think at some point I I did manage to let go of them. Um, but yeah, like healing uh, is the, the sort of the, for me like a big word like a big word and a big thing that has come out of this yeah for me too and yeah it's an absolute privilege to be able to heal together and talk about it together and again I wonder yeah how much of that internal visceral desire to get this out there was essential to my own healing process and one which continues it's never over yeah and I, I think that's like a really important part of this because, um, you know, this work carries on. Um, it, this is not a, okay, you've done the book now. That's it. No more, no more like grief or difficult emotions for Tiffany. Like you've like written the final <laughs> sentence and that's it. Um, like, no. And so that's why kind of the work continues in the form of both publicly and privately, you know, in the form of um, 
your other writing, your newsletter, the new podcast, these conversations, therapy. Sometimes we meet you and I talk and we don't record the conversation and put it out in the public. Um, so, and, and in, in, yeah, in all of those kind of places, this stuff continues. To be continued. Indeed. Um, all of the, the, indeed, all of the details will be in the show notes, but I implore you to go and order a copy of Totally Fine and Other Lies I've Told Myself. Um, it's available at all good retailers and the bad ones too. Um, and go and check out the new podcast, Totally Fine with Tiffany Philippou. Um, if you just search for that in wherever you are listening to this, search for the new podcast there and you will find it. Um, there are so many great conversations that Tiffany has with other people who have gone through all sorts of experiences and what we are quickly uncovering through these discussions is that it doesn't really matter what the thing is that happened to us it's how we respond to it and the stories that we tell ourselves afterwards and it's the pretending to be okay when we're not that's that's what makes things worse but having these conversations is ultimately what sets us free from that shame um, and releases us. So if you liked what you heard today, order the book, go listen to the new podcast. And thank you so much for listening and for all of your support, because um, particularly the listeners of um, the original OG listeners of Is This Working um, have played a really big part in the story of getting this book to where it is now. Absolutely. So thank you, dear listeners. Thank you for helping me manifest this reality. And also thank you to Anna for this conversation. It was really precious. And I feel like we're constantly moving the conversation along between us as well as our friendships. So thank you. Thank you. been listening to is this working hosted by anna cogerado and tiffany Philippou. it was produced by chris bannister if you liked what you heard please take a moment to rate and review the show it really helps us out until next time 